Welcome to Coos's Corner, a platform for passionate, unscripted discussions with my guests to entertain and inspire you. Let's get into this episode. Hey, I'm Coos. And I'm Quinn. And this is Coos and Quinn, the show with two guys that think they know everything about sports. This episode of Coos and Quinn, we're doing something new. Quinn is phoning in. All the way from Montreal. Quinn, how you doing? I'm doing well, Chris. How are you, buddy? Good, good. Big spanking of the Boston Celtics last night, so uh, feeling good today as a Raptors fan. But um, to start the pregame interview today, we, uh, we're we going with the NHL trade deadline. We did a bit of a preview last week, and uh, there were some moves this, this week in the NHL. Big one in Ottawa, Mark Stone getting traded to the Vegas Golden Knights. What were your thoughts on that trade, Quinn? Yeah, the Senators did as we predicted and traded all three of their good players. This is what you come to expect from a garbage organization. But I thought it was a great move for Las Vegas. I'm a big, big fan of Mark Stone. He was my last true like emotional attachment to the Senators, so now I really have no affiliation with that organization. Sad as it is to say, but you know, I thought it was a great trade for Vegas. I was really happy with him. Uh, for him that he got that contract extension right away. Obviously, he can't be signed until the offseason, but it's in place to be signed. I think it's very well deserved. I'm very happy for him. Nine million a year, though, that's quite a lot. I mean, he's a top five right winger in the NHL. He really is, and I think people are starting to see that. He's a great all around player. He kills penalties. He's on the power play. Right? He plays everything. He plays pretty shorthand. He plays for you when you're off. He plays five on five. He's really all you can ask for in a player. He's big. He's strong. His experience in the playoffs. He was excellent on our playoff run two years ago, and obviously that brings us right to the next point, which is that miraculous fact that there's. Four players left on the Sens from that team went to the East Finals about 600 days ago. It truly is incredible. Yeah, did you see and that photo with all the jerseys? Great Photoshop. Yeah, and with Chris Neal in, in the beach like beach shirt and all the other players. It was a great, oh, yeah. great Photoshop, like you said, by whoever made that. The one thing I found interesting about this Mark Stone trade was um, – that they offered him a deal similar. It was a very similar deal like the Pacioretty trade, right? They traded for him and then gave him a really long-term contract. Do you think that's so that the franchise can get two cornerstone players that the fan base can rally behind? Absolutely. And I mean, Vegas has done an outstanding job top of the bottom management since coming into the league. They're going to be an absolute blueprint for expansion teams across sports, especially the Seattle team coming in. But no, I really like what they did. And I think that it has to be mentioned that uh, Eric Carlson and Mark Stone are as good a chemistry as anyone. He's a free agent this summer, and they still have tons of money. They're a tax save, which means there's no tax in these contracts. So I think they're now the front runners to land um, Eric Carlson as well. I think they're in place to be a very good team moving forward. That's um, a hot take. <laughs> That's a hot take. Well, I think it's either he's staying in San Jose or, he, or he's going to Las Vegas. At this, at this juncture, we'll see what the playoffs bring. I think both those teams just have to make deep runs. But just around the league, on the, well, one more thing from the Ottawa Senators. Uh, in the return for the trades, uh, they did pretty well, all things considered, in getting you know prospects and draft picks so they can develop some guys, and once they get good, refuse to pay them what they're worth and trade them. Um, and everyone's big on that defense and prospect we got back for Stone, which is nice. But, no, actually, I was watching the press call. I have a big shout-out to my buddy Gordon Burnside, biggest, former biggest Sens fan I know. I think he's sworn off from that, too. But we were watching the, the uh, Pierre Dorian general manager's press conference, and he says, at one point, he just said with the straightest of faces, I did something good for the Ottawa Senators today. And that was when we both just lost and last. And we're like, I can't take this anymore. I can't sit through this. 
because it was just so hilarious. That is but, um, jokes. Oh, and I, just everything he was saying is comedy gold. The fact that he, he must have rehearsed it in the mirror 50 times. <laughs> but other trades, just quickly to recap the day, because it was a fun – actually, you know, this is a great day for me because it was our first day of Mark and I are on spring break right now. I'm sure most of our listeners know that. But so I, as a kid, I'd always take the day off school. You know, you get a little cough in the morning and you sit there and watch Trade Center all day. And I haven't had a full day to do that since I was probably 13 years old. And me and my buddy Matt Hunt, another shout-out, because uh, he took um, – well, sorry, I'm, I'm not going to expose this for anything. He had the day off work. And um, we were sitting in my living room watching all day, which was a, a great time. And I got to watch it for like 12 hours. I haven't done it forever. So you, a quick recap, a great day for the National Predators. I think they addressed their holes up front. And they're set to finally make that um, run, maybe all the way through to the Stanley Cup. And I thought Winnipeg was very active on the day, and they could be there too. A big game coming up next week, which will appear in my closing bets. But um, it was an exciting day, lots of good trades. Um, Did you see that famous interview with James Duthie and Justin Trudeau on TSN? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Saw it live. Loved it. That was great to see the Prime Minister on uh, Trade Center. Yeah, and it was great to see that he actually said it was all right. The people were pretending their cars couldn't start and calling him sick because he understands. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Um, Moving on, the NFL Combine is coming up this weekend. You must be pretty excited about that. Which players are you watching out for this this Combine? I mean, the guy I'm mainly watching is Kyler Murray. Um, Just because he's going to be an absolute freak show athlete. He's going to put on a show. Apparently, he's gained weight. Uh, it should be fun to see him. I heard he's also going to throw, which a lot of the top quarterback prospects usually don't. They all did last year, which I love. Uh, but it'd be nice to see him throw, show everyone how accurate he really is. Uh, I'm also excited to see his teammate Marquise Brown, the receiver, absolutely tear apart those drills. Um, I mean, the combine, the combine, <laughs> it's fun. It's useless for evaluating players, which most prominent GMs have all but conceded, but. It's a good marketing for You get them all in one place, right? They've already proven themselves with pads on over the course of many years, so might as well get them naked in front of you doing pointless workouts. But I was um, watching a video fun. of the Combine, about the Combine, and uh, what yeah. they were saying was the GMs actually, they don't really care much about the, the physical aspect of the Combine, like the 40-yard dash and the, the reps yeah. on the bench, because they've seen these guys do it on the field. Um, it's more just like a publicity thing for, for television, but the exactly, thing that exactly. the thing that they really appreciate is uh, getting to interview the players and getting them to do these IQ tests so they can really see what type of person they are. Because when you're drafting someone, it's a lot of it is more about the mindset than the physical attributes. And I think that's what the the New England your New England Patriots really realize that they need to find guys that will buy into their system, not guys that they have to adapt their system for. Absolutely, um, that's what it is. Because at the end of the day, these kids all have pro days at their schools, right? So we could already see them all run their forties and do their bench presses there. But the NFL would rather have it in these um, shiny Under Armour clothes than us see. Yeah, exactly. Um, a, a dome in you know Alabama through someone's cell phone footage. But no, it's, it's good to bring them all to one place. The GMs go meet them. Um, Shout yeah. out to our um, our Concordia Stinger, Maurice Simba. I don't think he's attending the NFL Combine, but he's actually having a pro day at Concordia and uh, is looking like a top, not a top, but a prospect for the NFL draft. So uh, shout out to him. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully uh, hopefully he can make us proud, and uh, it's, it'd be cool to see someone from Canadian University Sports making it to the NFL. It could, could change the game. But uh, next topic for the pregame interview is uh, we're going to the English Premier League, and there was a huge controversy with 
Chelsea Football Club during the League Cup final. Basically, the manager, uh, sorry, wanted to take out his goalie and the goalie refused to come out. The game went to penalty to penalties and uh, and didn't and Chelsea ended up losing. Uh, the reason why the manager wanted to take out the goalie was because their backup goalie, Willie Caballero, uh, was actually a former player of the Manchester City team. So he knew their players, and he's apparently a penalty kick specialist as a goalie. So uh, it seemed like that was the right decision to sub him in, but their goalie, Kepa, just refused to go off the field, and they ended up losing. Quinn, in this situation... Um, is the manager in the wrong for not forcing his player out, or is the uh, yeah is, is is the manager wrong for not standing his ground? I'd say yes. I mean, when you're making a substitution, you're making a substitution. The player should listen to you. That's how I feel. Obviously, goalies getting substitutes is not something we see ever really in, in soccer. But it um, makes sense. Some goalies are better for penalties. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but I think they chalked it up to communication. That's what you said, right? They were miscommunication, right? They said that it was miscommunication, but I don't buy it. I think that it was just the goalie being a diva. What they said was that uh, the manager thought that the goalie was injured, but yeah. who knows? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't like, buy it. Sounds like they're covering something up there. Yeah, exactly. I think that manager, sorry, has kind of lost the plot and lost the changing room with Chelsea, and I don't see him being with them next year for sure. Like, I'm almost certain yeah. that he won't be the manager. He's actually been apparently recruited by uh, by Roma, so he might be going back to Italy to manage there. Okay, makes sense. Yeah. Switching over to the NBA, another team that's struggling, the Los Angeles Lakers. And uh, this year, the last couple of weeks, LeBron has been getting a lot of criticism for uh, the way he's been playing. Is it deserved? Um. I don't understand it, to be honest. I've only watched one game from them since he's returned. That was his best game. Uh, fortunately for me, it was fun to watch the comeback against Houston. Um, I think he deserves criticism for what he's doing off the court, for the way he's talking. Um, I really do. But, uh, no, I don't, I, don't think that, I don't think that we cut him enough slack ever when it comes to on-the-court play. I mean, people are chalking it up like he's the reason they weren't in the playoffs when they were fourth in the West. He missed 18 games. They went 6-12. and 12. He comes back like, for any other player, we give them a whole year to find their rhythm after an injury. Well, this guy, it's like, oh, why aren't you playing well right away? He gained 20 pounds in the time that he was off. One thing I will concede, though, as a huge LeBron fan, is the first time in his career where I've watched snippets of him on the court, and he's a legitimate defensive liability. Yeah. Um, like, he's, he's a liability on defense. He's like Kyle Korver level. But I think he really needs to take his teammates aside and be like, look, like I can pick up the slack on offense for this team, because he can and he will. But, you know, you guys really need to do me a favor on defense. But um, With that off-court uh, stuff, though, I agree with you with the on-court. But with the off-court, um, a lot of his quotes that you see on social media, they're just snippets of the entire question. And if you listen to the whole question, he's not actually bagging on his teammates as much as you'd think. It's just um, uh, with the snippet that they take, the soundbite, it makes it seem like that. But yeah, he no, is. I do, I do agree because the snippets that I actually always go back, I always go and watch the full interviews because uh, they do do that and they aren't as bad. But there's still there's a little too much in there. Like leadership should be within the room, and then you should be quiet in front of media. There's guys who do it really well across sports. Obviously, he likes to open his big mouth, and that's always been his number one flaw. Um, but 
This is I probably mean, the first time in uh, quite a few years that I'm, I'm starting to think that he's not the best player in the league. I think that uh, the way I think Giannis and Kevin Durant might have overtaken him. I mean, it's tough to tell. He's still not healthy. I mean, they have 22 games left. I still wouldn't discount them winning 17 of them. I mean, this guy's done some miraculous stuff in the past. He responds well to criticism. He doesn't like it. You can tell. The reason he's snapping is because he's ticked off. Um, they have a rematch tonight with um, what's Anthony the Pelican. So, hopefully that goes better for them. I want to see him in the playoffs. Anyone who's a fan of basketball should. Yeah, you got to um, have – the playoffs will be completely different if LeBron's not in it. Like, yeah, damn, like we I haven't watch, seen – I won't watch the West at all. The last eight finals, he's been a part of it. So we've seen him in the in the playoffs for long periods of time. My uh, personal LeBron, opinion, LeBron James is the NBA playoffs. Like, yeah, my personal opinion is that um, if they get anywhere above the eight seed, as long as they don't have to play Golden State, I think they're going to make the second round. Oh, absolutely, no doubt in my mind at all. Um, but it's about getting above the eight seed, so that that yeah. could be very tough. No, I do think just quickly here. That this year was always going to be like a sort of a rebuilding middle ground year for them. Like going to LA, well, first of all, it's about more than basketball. Like he wanted to win a championship this year, he would have signed with the Houston Rockets. But obviously, his priorities were beyond basketball, and also it was a long-term move. He's a bit old; he's not that old, but it's because they have all the money and all the guys in free agents this summer, right? Yeah. So not he would never play to lose because he's too competitive, and no good athlete would. But you almost wonder: is it better for him just to save himself? Save the mileage. Don't put as much baggage on yourself. Miss the playoffs, and then you sign, you know, Clay Thompson and um, Kawhi Leonard this summer. Or, uh, I don't want to take you off. Uh, Kyrie Irving. And, um, <laughs> then you know you come back with championship ready squad, fully rested next summer. Something to think about. But no, I really hope they make the playoffs, and I think they will because uh, well, it's getting tough now. It's going to be a tough one. But I really, I do think that they can rally together because they were playing very well before Christmas. For sure. Um, sticking with the NBA. James Harden's 30-point uh, game streak has come to an end. Um, this was pretty historic. Do you think that this puts him as a front-runner for the MVP race? No, and I think it's a joke the way the media glorifies these streaks because I've been a defender of James Harden this year. Like I've been defending him because he just seems to get so much flack for the way he plays. But I don't watch Houston either, and I'm sure you don't regularly either. The thing I that I don't like about it is that people are starting to criticize like him scoring all the time but then these same people are generally like not generally but some of these guys are like Kobe Bryant fans and like saying like uh like he's just scoring but then like that's all Kobe did either also oh hypocrisy should never be lost on you with him the great folks that are sports fans but, but I, I do have to say I'm a big Kobe hater so but the one of the things I, lo- I love James Harden's game I I think that he's the MVP in my opinion. I um I think if you no, take him off that team, they're not making the playoffs. I mean, well, we'll get to that in just a second. But no, the one game I watched on the whole streak in full was the game that they played the other night against the Lakers, and it was in that game that I could understand how people got really upset with his style of play because he was awful in the second half. He wasn't hitting anything, and he just continued playing ISO ball the entire time, and he got himself to thirty points. But he was straight up the reason they had lost the game. Now, he did carry them from 10th to 5th with Chris Paul out for an extended period of time. But I think if you're going on the basis of what an MVP is, he was better last year, and that team was infinitely better last year. So if that regression in the standings can get you an MVP, then I don't understand the award. But you know me, I hate MVP awards. Like, I think it should be Paul George. Um, 
It'll probably be James Harden because everyone loves those those stats, like whatever, 30 straight, 30-point games. But, you know, averaging 36 points a game at any juncture is incredible. So. Yeah, that's the thing. Only a few players, and I think it's like five or six players in NBA history have averaged over 35 points. Yeah, but I, mean, I, I think, well... Like, whenever I mean, you're having a season that's in the name, like, around the name of Will Chamberlain and, and Kobe Bryant, I think that you should be considered the favorite for the MVP. Uh, but I think we also got to take into account, he's gotten better, but he's not a great defender by any means. Whereas in other guys you're naming, they're all NBA defensive players, the points in their career, Sean, Michael Jordan, some of the other elite scorers. But he is also averaging, like, if you look at the box score, he is averaging a decent amount of assists. Yeah, I mean, he, he can move the ball. I mean, he's a, he doubles as a point guard. He's like a point guard, shooting guard, whatever. Kind of have two point guards there. And obviously, Chris Paul was out two months, so then they had one. But, um, no, he, he does he does his job. And they won the majority of the games during the streak. I'm not, but I'm just saying, he does play a very ISO version of basketball, which can be frustrating. But either way, a tremendous talent. Could be a back-to-back MVP. I think that team's going to be dangerous in the playoffs, but we'll have to wait and see. Especially with them healthy, with Chris Paul and Clint Capella coming back, they were they were one game away of taking the Golden State Warriors down. So, I think yeah, people that was that was a different Chris Paul. People aren't really yeah, and that, well, Chris Paul wasn't even playing in that game because he was injured. Not last year. No, I mean the team last year had a different Chris Paul. I remember we talked about this extensively in the summer, and I thought them giving him one hundred and sixty million dollars at this point in his career was mental. And I mean, I think it's already proven itself that it was. I highly doubt he saved the whole contract. Yeah, I, I, I just don't think that they're getting enough credit for who they are. People kind of forget about last year, and I think that they're going to make a deep run to the playoffs. Yeah, um, I mean, getting by Oklahoma City could be tough for anyone. Yeah, yeah, I think those are the big three teams in, in the West, Golden State, OKC, and uh, the Rockets. I, I just I don't think the Nuggets have enough playoff experience to, to go deep. No, well, they did. They've beaten all the good teams they've faced. They did take it to uh, Oklahoma City last night, so... Yeah, but they're starting to grow on me. That team. Now, I understand that the regular season, the playoffs are different. This is coming from you, Quinn. You you always talk about how the Raptors win big games in the regular season, but then when it comes to the playoffs, they lack the experience and the poise. So, yeah, and I, I I know that's I'm I'm the playoff guy. That's the reputation I build for myself. So you want to talk playoff games? Harden historically struggled there. So yeah, that's a good point. Good point. Um, well, that's Chris Paul. <laughs> should we? Uh, we'll move on to the halftime team talk and. One of the big topics this week was uh, Zion Williamson going down in the uh, early stages of, I guess, the first 30 seconds of the North Carolina game. And uh, do you think this hurts his draft stock? Um, I mean, it sounds like it's not a very serious injury and he'll be back before the tournament, so no, not at all. Um, if it did shut him down for the year, he'd still be the first overall pick. If it doesn't, he'll be the first overall pick. Um, I agree with you. I think that no matter what, he's going to be the first overall pick. This guy was too efficient and uh, too much of a physical freak. Just based on his potential, I don't think you can uh, not pick him first overall. But um, what was your? What are your thoughts on people saying whether or not he should play or sit out for the rest of the season? Yeah. So to that, I have a point. Calm down. The, oh, I've never seen such overreaction to such a small incident. Um, just everyone going off what I'll call it basketball's a joke and the NCAA is a scam and this and that and how you should shut himself down and save yourself for when you get paid. Like, I understand part of where you're coming from, but 
at the end of the day, he committed to Duke to play basketball for basketball for a year. He seems to love his teammates. They seem to be having a ton of fun doing it. They're a great team. Obviously, any competitive side, he's going to want to work your way back and win a national championship with that team. And that still is the second most prestigious thing to win in basketball. And I think guys really value it during their time there. Um, for sure. Now, if we're going to segue into the next point, Commissioner Adam Silver said what I've been saying for ever since the rule was gone. I do think you should have the option to come out of high school. I think as well, I agree. I think that there should be an option to come out of high school because if you think about it, it's not like every kid's going to come out of high school if they change the rules. No, and there's going to be kids who declare for the draft that don't get drafted then have to go to the college route. And I mean, if you look at others, if you look at the other sports, football, which is main feeder of the college system, you have to be three years out of high school, and that's completely fair. That's just a straight safety thing because these are grown men hitting each other. And they already have so many injury issues after their career and plagued the rest of their life. We don't need 18-year-old kids going up against Nadamakan Sue and Aaron Donald. That's ridiculous. It would never work. So they need to go those three years, and that, everyone accepts that. But in basketball, these kids are ready to step in. Zion could be averaging almost the same in the NBA as he is in the NCAA right now. That's just the nature of the sport. So, I mean, I, I, I do think that, obviously, the NCAA is a very powerful organization, and they worry because the tournament's a, you know, the tournament's a massive moneymaker, tens of millions of dollars. Everyone loves it. But there's two options. Either you start paying these athletes or you don't get to or you don't have to have the top one. <laughs> did you see Luka Doncic's tweet when all this was going down? No, what he said. He oh, basically, go to Europe? Yeah. He said go to Europe yeah. if you uh like that's he was responding some to some guy's tweet about how these players play in the NCAA, make all this money or sorry, don't make all this money and um and risk getting injured for the year. When uh, they could just go straight to pro and uh, be making money in the NBA. And Luka Doncic made a fair point. Why not go to Europe? It's a it's a very good option. You're playing against professionals. It's a good level of basketball. In my opinion, they, they probably they beat all the college teams, in, in my opinion. So, I don't understand. I don't, no, I don't think that's a viable option at all. At the end of the day, these kids grow up watching March Madness. They grow up watching the NCAA. They want to play in the Final Four. They want to play for these legendary coaches who will improve them and their game for years to come. You know, Roy Williams, Coach Shashevsky, uh, the list goes on and on. And I mean, I think the worst thing that could happen for us here in North America and for the NBA would be to have kids squandered away in Europe where no one's paying attention. Teams have to pay more money to send scouts over there. The, the, the option is simple. If you're good enough to go to the NBA, you should be allowed to go to the NBA. This isn't football. There's no injury risk. Let the kids play. Um, obviously, the NCAA is corrupt. There's an organized, there's a not-for-profit organization making billion-dollar surpluses on your back, and that needs to be regulated. Um, you know, there's a, the Pan-Pacific Football League is being started up by Don Yee, agent of Tom Brady, in collaboration with a few other people and trying to get kids to go there. Will it work? Probably not, but who knows? See, I, I just but, don't, I don't like how Europe gets so disrespected with basketball. Like, and it happens in the draft as well. Luka Doncic should have went number one overall, no questions asked. But yeah, Americans, rocking their head knew that. Yeah, but Americans just don't give respect to European basketball, and I I think it's ridiculous. Yeah, but why would you want? Why would a kid like Zion Williamson who can go play for Coach Shashevsky at Duke all of a sudden take his talent to Lithuania? It's never gonna happen. It's ridiculous. And it'd be the worst thing for us as fans because we wouldn't get to watch them. I don't care to watch European basketball. It's garbage. It's not top tier. I'd rather watch the NBA G League. I disagree. I uh, I think that the Euro League is better. 
And uh, maybe not the maybe not the G League, not the G League. When have you watched the Euro League? You watch Real Madrid basketball? No, and neither do I, because it's crap. It's not good basketball. I'd rather go and play and watch uh, the Carlton Ravens against the Concordia Stingers. Well, most of those players actually end up going to Europe, so uh, so that helps. Well, I know they do. Yeah, but uh, like one of one of the big complaints. Yeah, uh, so you want these guys who are the best players in the NCAA to go play in the league where some of their superstars come from? Uh, youth sports, the CIS, Canadian schools. It's ridiculous. It's a joke. No, I uh, I. But I think that it's a good option compared to the NCAA. If people are complaining about not getting paid, it's not like the the talent level is less First there. Of all, no players come forward in the NCAA in this, from that team or any other and said, oh, I'm disgusted, I'm not getting paid. Zion himself hasn't said a word. This has all been NBA players, mostly retired NBA players talking. You say, oh, well, I deserve to be getting paid. Well, I mean, you know, wait a year. But no, yeah, they should change the rule. They should be allowed to go from the, you know, Kobe did it, LeBron did it. Games all time great. Kevin Garnett, but there are also a lot of flops that did it. Yeah, there you go. But no, they should have the option to do it. And then it's up to the scouting department and the GM, and then they got to start sending guys to prep league games. But it's still a lot easier to send a guy to a prep league game in North Carolina than he can go watch the Duke UNC game that night than it is to fly a guy to Romania. Well, let's look at some of the guys that are coming out of the Euro League. There's some pretty good talent coming out of there. Porzingis, Doncic. Um, okay, so you got two. Ricky Rubio. Alright, so average player. No, he's yeah, he's above average. Milos Teodosic, he's a bench player, he's good. Which of those guys in the game, in the All Star game this year, came out of Europe? Jonas, Jonas Valanciunas came out of Europe. That's a big one. Yeah, Giannis as well, the best player in one of the best top three players in the league right now. Yeah, there's one guy you could name. There's probably the maybe this year's MVP in Giannis. Dirk Nowitzki? Maybe this year's offensive. Dirk Nowitzki's retiring. He was an anomaly his whole career. You know, Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili. Okay, sure, sure, sure. But Like, we've gotten some top talent coming out of Europe. And I just think that North Americans don't give enough respect to them. No, I don't respect it at all. I respect the talent. I don't respect the league. And I think if you look at any other league <laughs> or any other sport, the leagues are centralized in one place, and that's how it is. There's going to be tons of new basketball players coming out of Africa over the next quarter century. Should we start sending our kids to play there? No, those guys are going to come over. They're going to play in our prep schools, or the American prep schools, the NCAA, Canadian universities. They're going to go play in Europe. That's how it is. One continent feeds another. When kids here are good at soccer, they get shipped over to Germany or England when they're 17. There's no point in going from the Mecca, the continent that's the Mecca of basketball, to go play in a small European town for a year, you know, be away from your family, this, that, and the other thing. It's never going to happen. It's an unrealistic proposition to a problem for which there's a simple solution. Let them go to the draft. Yeah. And like, I, 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 I mean, I didn't think that was a valid solution at all. But you know, I, I, mean, I think I, it's I a think solution for the rules right now. What? For the rules right now, Europe is a valid solution if you want to go and make money and still play at a, at a level that is good. You're not making any money. What are you making? 50 grand? Those kids, it's like these kids aren't getting, you know, they're not getting nothing from these schools. They make their decisions based on who's giving them the nice house and the car for the year. Lonzo Ball said it best. Everybody knows everyone's getting paid. You might as well make it allowed. Yeah, but I think like if obviously the best option for everyone is um, is to go to go straight from high school if the players are ready. So, it I like I like Adam Silver seeing that this is an issue and trying to change it. So they are exposed to the NCAA, which is exemplified just by the fact that they promote them. They promote the tournament and that they, they enacted the 
never used to exist and was working fine. It wasn't like there was a big thing that made them say, ooh, ooh and all of a sudden you have to go. You know, there's maybe a little bit of a handshake agreement there. Someone's getting something in their pocket. Don't kid yourself. Yeah. Um, I mean, the NCAA is corrupt as hell. They, they have a stranglehold on football for as long as we're alive, at least, because that's just, there's too much money in that. But you can see basketball. Ah, I think it'll always exist. I think it, we're going to get to a point in a decade where players are getting a form of compensation, which they should be. But, yeah. And you also have to think, like, there are some players that are just late bloomers that need more time to develop, and the NCAA route is good for them. Oh, I, the NCAA is a very valid option for kids who either aren't destined for the NBA and especially kids who aren't destined for NBA superstars. Like, for and example, Kyle Kuzma. Good college teams. Like, let me just, like, I'll say this right now on record. I'll say right through the end of March when it comes through. Duke has no chance to win the tournament this year because there's actual well-built teams with three and four, you know, three-year three year players, four-year seniors who actually play as a cohesive unit who are there not to showcase themselves but to be a basketball team. And that's what college basketball is fun. But these kids being here is useless. They're there to showcase their own talent. They've come together and actually made a good team because they play for a great coach. They have no shot at winning the tournament. They'll be out by the round of 16. And it's always the teams with seniors who come through and win it. You know what I mean? Like the Buddy Heels. Those are the ones who dominate the tournament. Yeah, for sure. Um, like North Carolina has a lot of older players this year, and that's why I picked them last week to win this game. Got one four dollars and fifty cents on my bet three six five account. Hey, Both let's deals. go. Thank you very much. <laughs> you know, and Virginia too. Though. I mean, I know Duke's beat them twice. A lot of older players. And these kids don't want to be here, so I would rather watch players who want to be there. <laughs> but no, March Madness is a great time, and it's just a shame we have this controversy because the NCAA is the corrupt organization that it is. Because if you want to see your paying athletes with scholarships, okay, for certain kids, that's fair. Like Frank Kaminsky, who almost didn't get in the NBA. I don't know what he's doing right now. He was a great player, right? He's in the but, he's at the Charlotte Hornets. He's still playing. Okay. So, but I'm saying kids like a little, you know, a little less skilled than that who might want to go on to do something else, be an accountant, be boring like you and I, whatever, be an analyst. But you know, like like free tuition for you or I would be a great prize. So Zion William a year of free tuition for classes he doesn't care about as a stone step playing for the Knicks is stupid. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Speaking about Duke going up against seniors and uh, juniors, like third and fourth years. Yeah. This past summer, the Carlton Ravens offered to play them, but the reason why Duke didn't want to play them was because of the seniors and the juniors on the Carlton team. Um, do you think Car- Do you think Carlton had a chance to beat them, and that they were just scared? Oh, uh, no, Carlton! I've I've been saying this for years. With with the system that Dave Smart has going, their great coach that he is, they could easily be in the Final Four. I've seen them beat some top tier Div One teams. And yeah, well, they, they they beat both Syracuse and Wisconsin like in the preseason the year after they'd been in the Final Four months before. So, like, I mean, the writing's on the wall. Obviously, they're not allowed to play in the NCAA tournament, which is unfortunate. Unfortunately, they're not an NCAA team. So they'll just win the national championship in Canada every year until the sun burns out, or at least um, until Dave Smart retires. Yeah, or finally moves on to be an assistant with the Raptors, which I think is inevitable. Um, last question on this Zion topic. Uh, do you think that he will no longer wear Nike shoes because of it? Well, I mean, first of all, he doesn't get the pick. Like, Duke's a Nike school, right? No, I know, I know. But once once he declares for the draft, do you think he's signing with Nike? Yeah, of course. They're going to offer him the most money. All the good players are with Nike. Look up and down the league. Find me the best player not with Nike. Yeah, it's true. 
but no, I mean, I don't like. I didn't. Was the shoe even the reason he got injured? I think that was just a product of the injury. I think so as well. And this guy's been wearing Nikes his whole life, so I don't think that's yeah. going to change. I love that they released a statement though. Yeah, and um, there's betting odds as well for which which shoe company he's going to sign with. Uh, but this has happened before with Nike shoes. Manu Ginobili slid right through his shoes as well. Yeah, I mean they got to work on they got to work on that obviously, but. I'm sure Zion Williamson will be fine. If I'm Puma basketball, if I'm Puma basketball, I'm going all out for Zion and using that as leverage. And if you get Zion as for Puma basketball, that puts their shoe on the on the market in the I basketball mean, let him industry. I step into the NBA and do something before we crown him a king, but sure. Yeah. It's but true. I'll tell you this though, and you're gonna like this part. R.J. Barrett looked damn good in the uh, game they played since his absence. Yeah, he's since he's been out. Like I think that's the second overall pick in this draft. Yeah, he's because there was talk of him dropping a little bit to like top no, five, not top three. Four. Yeah, I uh, I think that he's My kid's ready for the NBA. Yeah, he's probably the most NBA ready right now. I mean, Zion looks like his um looks like he's big enough. Looks like he's ready to go. Yeah, it's true. I don't think he's gonna have any issues. All right, let's uh, finish off the episode with the closing bets. Uh, I'll go first. Uh, the Celtics were absolutely trash against our Toronto Raptors, and that's why I'm picking the Rockets over the Celtics this week. Um, going to the NHL, I'm picking the Calgary Flames over the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, big Canadian matchup there. Moving over to the MLS, I'm picking the LA Galaxy over Chicago Fire. I saw an interview with Zlatan this week on PTI, and he looks ready to tear up the league. Um Going to a huge rivalry in Spain. Barcelona is top of the La Liga, and they're playing in the El Clasico against Real Madrid. And I don't see them dropping points on this. Messi's been really good recently, so I'm picking Barcelona over Real Madrid. And then the big North London Derby's coming up. And I don't even need to say it. You know which team I'm picking. Come on, you Gooners. Oh, absolutely. Who do you got, Quinn? I guess. I, I got the Los Angeles Lakers over the box, so I still have faith our guys going to bounce back and they're going to make the playoffs. I got big hockey matchup. Winnipeg Jets, Nashville Predators, potential Western Conference Finals preview. I'm picking Winnipeg. A little bit of a homer pick there. I'd like to see them win. Got Barca over Real Madrid as well. El Clasico had to do it. Obviously, Barcelona's the best team in the league, potentially in Europe. Time will tell on that one. Got hometown Montreal Impact taking on the San Jose Quakes on Sunday, Saturday night, one of the nights. Out on the West Coast, I'm going with the uh, the homer pick there, go impact. And then uh, my last one, I'm keeping with my guy Trent Richardson, two-time BCS national champion, three touchdowns the touchdowns in his last game, undefeated Birmingham, Birmingham Iron over the Atlanta Legends in the Alliance of American Football. That is the first AAF closing bet on Coos and Quinn. Get noted, and there's going to be some topics, the little one-minute topics about the AAF in a few weeks. Kuz is you know, going to ask me which players I like, which ones I don't. Because he refused to talk about the CFL for a while, and now we talk about them like they're headline news. news. So the AAF will sneak their way in there. Yeah, Hope, hopefully the league works out, and hopefully they don't go bankrupt by by the time in a couple weeks. Hey, uh, hey speaking of football, the New York Giants announced today, Eli Manning back as their starting quarterback next year. Another news coming out of Philadelphia Eagles. Nick Foles not getting franchise tagged and is officially a free agent. Quickly, give me your prediction where you think he's going. Um, 
agreed. I like the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars on that one. Yeah, I think so as well. I think that's a good pick. I think that Eli's uh, Eli that announcement means that Odell Beckham going to ask for a trade. I would have liked to see Nick Foles go to the Denver Broncos, but they they chose to go with Joe Flacco. So uh, I think Jacksonville's the front runner for Nick Foles. And I think the Giants could have worked too if Pat Shermer and that organization had a brain, but unfortunately they have a rock where we have brains. So yeah, I mean Eli Manning, dude, like that's such a waste of talent around. Him. Yeah, they've got probably the best running back in the league, and uh, yeah, with top three wide receivers. He's, his body's got a toll, so they might as well use him while uh, while he's still fresh. But um, oh my God. thanks for calling in, Quinn, and uh, hope you enjoy your break in Montreal. And yeah, you uh, well, I'll be back there soon, and we'll do more. Uh, we'll be back in the Concordia Library, Coos and Quinn studio, sooner than later. So thanks for coming on and uh, taking the time out of your break, and uh, I'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. Yeah, and uh, that's been an episode of Coos and Quinn.